Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into The Fire podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Bill. And we are back to Game of Thrones, Chapter 27, Eddard. Um, Game of Thrones being Game of Thrones. I'm putting a uh, mature content warning on this uh, chapter. It's Game of Thrones. At this point, you should you should automatically assume it's mature audiences. So before we start... Uh, what do we all think of this drawing? It's Gendry. It's supposed to be me. Gendry, yes. Well, he's all hot and muscly. Exactly. They made him look... He's got like a... I guess that's his helmet. Is that his helmet? Yeah, it's his helmet to? that he made. I don't know if it was supposed to be a helmet or the head of somebody killed or something. Anyway, it's a, it's like a minotaur helmet. Anyway, go ahead. So, yeah, Gendry is, in this book anyway, 14. And they made him look like a 25-year-old shirtless romance novel cover Fabio type. But that's that's probably some sort of um oh, what's his name? Uh like a Boris Vigelio or however you say that. See I don't remember how to say his name. Embarrassing ourselves on the podcast. But uh it's like one of those. It's our friends Francesca or whatever. Like it's one of those types of not quite though. It's meant to be more They did not uh, make him look fourteen. No, of course not. He looks like he's I'd say he looks like he's 20 in that. And he's got, like, gee, he's got, like, even, like, the facial hair. I mean, yeah, maybe some 14-year-olds are built like that, but usually not with that type of musculature. Even, like, mature for their age ones don't usually have, like, well-defined bodybuilder-type shapes. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, that's... The picture was not realistic. Yeah. Uh, the helmet, very, very ornate. Got these, like, big, like, curving horns on it, and, like... Yeah, it's like a minotaur helmet. It's, like, something that, like, they would use for, like, some sort of, like, medieval show or some sort of, like, gladiator or Spartacus knockoff. Now, this is the fancy um, blacksmith shop. Where, you know, rich lords would go and get fancy armor, but he's still an apprentice. Would it really have been that fancy? I don't know. Yeah. Now, anyway, on to the chapter itself. We made enough uh, fun of the very well done, but maybe not quite um, accurate drawing. Yeah. Um, so, the King's Council is meeting... And the commander of the city watch says that the hands tourney is uh, causing trouble in this. Uh, and that's like, no, this is the king's tourney. The hand wants no part of it. Um, and by trouble, they mean people from all over her arriving. And there's been a big jump in violent crime. Um including killings, including sexual assaults. Yeah, there's like, um, somebody's it? head was found in like the fountain. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. A woman's head was found uh, in our the floating in the rainbow pool, which I guess is some sort of so, I'm like, sure it's some kind of sacred thing of the seven. Uh, either that or I'm imagining it just being like it was and now it's just some like really really like like pardon me, like just some crap water pool and they just call it that still even though it's like been I don't know. I have weird head cannons with this. I'm sure some fans will tear me apart for that. But come on, that's a funny image. Um, well, not that funny, but yeah. Um, so. And uh, 
Lord Renly, uh, one, the younger brother of King Robert, yeah. oh, the youngest brother, um, s- suggests that perhaps the City Watch should be commanded by someone who can keep the King's peace if, uh, you know, Janos can't keep it. And Janos Slint um, puffs himself up like an angry frog. They keep comparing him to a frog. Frogs are cute. Janos Slint is not. And they're just trying to make him seem like a big, like, you know, fat buffoonish type character. And he's like, you know, he's he's defensive and he's still trying to be like the noble warrior. And I'm sure he was like back in his day. And I don't think like, so. I have no idea. I don't think he ever had a noble warrior moment. uh, Either way, the point is is that he's, you know, clearly some guy who's inept. It's just to mock him. uh, The frogs do not claim him. (laughs) And Aegon the dragon himself could not keep the peace, he says. He needs more men. I need more men. And, um... Ned immediately asked him how many. Yeah, and so... Yeah, Ned says they should hire 50 new men, and Billish will see they get the coin, and if they can have money for a champion's purse, they can have for keeping the peace. Well, okay, a few things. First, they call it the hands tourney, like they're immediately shifting blame on uh, on Ned. Even though he's like, no, I want nothing to do with this, and it, it's clear he doesn't. It's clear clearly the Robert's king just idea. wants to have a tourney and is using the yeah. hand as an excuse. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And and it's working, and you know people don't care, and it's like Ned's already just put in this final position, this you know this final horrible position where he can't you know he can't say no to Robert because he's the king and his best friend, and he. uh you know, he's not, he doesn't actually want it, and he wants people to understand that. But, you know, that's one of those things where it's like, you know, Ned getting set up yet again, just from the start. And, you know, the second thing is that Littlefinger immediately challenges him. He says, I will. And he's like, Ned immediately was like, yeah, no, you will. You found 40,000 golden dragons for a champion's purse. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to know how much a golden dragon is in, uh, U.S. dollars. Yeah, well, we don't know except for that it's gold. Even uh, w- with inflation included and all that. But Gold's always going to be pretty, in our lifetimes, in all likelihood, it'll <laughs> probably be. I mean, you never know. But either way, it's pretty valuable. Uh, we don't know how big these dragons are. They're just meant to be a lot, I guess. And um, Grandmaster Pycelle and Littlefinger, they're both... Um, arguing that having these kind of tourneys boosts the economy. Um, Littlefinger is not especially tasteful about it, being the brothel keeper who is expecting a lot of you know visitors to the city to visit his brothels. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna quote that. Putting how many coins a pocket? Little finger added. Every in the city is full. And the whores are walking. I was gonna not quote that. Oh, that was the part you weren't gonna quote. Okay, <laughs> okay, fair enough. Moving on. 
Um, and you know, they're little having... fingers of scuzz. Okay. And Lord Renly's laughing about it because apparently he's fourteen with the body of a uh, you know. No, that's not Re- no Renly's not oh, fourteen. It's no, the other guy's fourteen. Okay, all right. Well, Lord Renly laughed then. <laughs> um, Stannis apparently was going to outlaw brothels. And um, Robert was like, "You gonna outlaw eating?" Yeah. Uh, Robert using just, the toilet. Robert breathing. just thinks it's an atrocious atrocity. He's just like he, he just. Uh, oh, and then he insults Stannis's marriage. He, he goes on to call his uh, his daughter ugly, and and he goes to his marriage like a man marching to the battlefield with a grim look in his eyes and determination to do his duty. And Ned does not... Ned is higher character than that. He is not joining at the laugh at the expense of uh, the uh, um, Baratheon family. And... Um, he's wondering when Stannis intends to um, leave Dragonstone and come back and sit on the small council. And uh, no doubt, as soon as we've scourged all these whores into the sea, and you know, yeah, it's, it's more little laughter. finger it's being little joke. finger. It's just, well, you know, he's joking about. Uh, he's saying it's never. He's saying that you know, Stannis is all bluster, which uh, isn't quite the case, as we will later. We see. We will later see that. Is that definitely? We not will the later case. see Stannis. That is definitely not the case. But you know, Littlefinger, he he's an interesting character because he's. I mean, he probably has foreseen this, but he, he there's things he doesn't seem to foresee, except for the fact that he's always trying to play all the hands. He's trying to get all the power, but he he there's some things he doesn't quite see yet. And um, when Ned gets back to the Tower of the Hand, um, he wants um, to summon Joy to the chambers and um, have his horse saddled. And... Yeah, as we've already gone over... He's tired of the hands turning. He wants nothing to do with it. He misses his wife. He misses his sons. He also thinks it's a foolish and expensive and wasteful endeavor. Which it is. And while he's waiting for Jory and for his horse, he's uh, looking at his book that he borrowed from the maester. The lineages and histories of the great houses of the Seven Kingdoms with descriptions of many high lords and noble ladies and their children... Which is a long, boring book, as implied. Yep. And it's over a century old, and the pages are all brittle, and it's got all these lists of weddings and births and deaths. And he finds the Lannister section, and he's looking through it. He immediately opens to the Lannisters. Flips through the Lannisters, where an old family, tracing their descent back to Lan the Clever. Who is, uh... A trickster from the Age of Heroes, which I guess is how long ago? Thousands of years. Yeah. And no doubt as legendary as Bran the Builder. So a similar character who may or may not have uh, existed. 
And if you want more about him, well, his story is both in um, the world of ice and fire, and also there's a YouTube video, um, House Lannister history and lore. Yep. Oh yeah, we have that whole that that whole thing. Yeah. That was um, in the DVD special, right? It was a Blu-ray special. I don't That's have right. it on Blu-ray, but I thought you had that for some reason. I. Th- I might, but I def I don't have season six on Blu-ray, gotcha. and I think that's the one that has it. But all of those are on yeah. YouTube. <laughs> so yeah, that's not important to the story at hand, but it's got a. So the f- side note, and it's, it's a, a little, side some note background and it... on families and how old their families are. Anyway, sharp rap at the door. Harold's jury uh, Castell. Is that how you say that? Well, before I get to this, apparent, um, the bit about Lan the Clever that's mentioned, that he winkled the Castellies out of Castellie Rock with no weapon but his wits. And so gold from the sun to brighten his curly hair, yeah. Um, let's just... That's clearly... Without more details right now, let's just say that this guy has some, uh, comparisons that could be made with Tyrion. And yet some of it seems more Jamie-ish, too, so it's... Yeah. It's a reference. Yeah, Joy Cassell is uh, wrapped on the door. Um, comes in, and Ned has promised the City Watch 20 of his guard until the tourney is done, and he relies on Joy to make the choice of who... And to give Alan the command and make certain that the men understand that they are needed to stop fights, not start them. Yeah. And he asks if uh, he's found the stable boy. And... Joey says, um, it's the the watchman, and he vows he'll never touch another horse. What did he have to say, is what he says. Um, he knew Lord Allen well, they were friends, and the hand always gave the lads a copper on their name days, and he had a way with horses, he didn't ride them too hard, and he brought them carrots and apples. So they were always pleased to see him. Now, this was the same stable boy who Littlefinger was talking about, right? I think so. That's what I thought. So... I thought you mentioned that. Yeah, I did, but... I figured it was. So, apparently, he has left stable work and gone on to be a city guard. Yeah. And Ned's just like, it sounded like this boy would be less useful than the others. He was the last of the four that Littlefinger had, tore, had turned up. So. So. Uh, sir, going through the hell, basically. Sir Hugh was uninformative <laughs> and arrogant. And he was newly made a knight. And if the hand wanted to talk to him, he'd have to come himself because he's a knight now. Yeah. So 
So you just the, imagine this like kid basically demanding that, just being like, the hand can see me himself. The serving girl had been pleasant but not helpful. Um, Lord John was reading more than was good for him and troubled and melancholy and gruff with his lady wife. <laughs> the pot boy was now a cordwainer. What is that? I don't know. You know what? Let's look that up. Let's see if we can look, get a Google on that. Google, let's take a look. What's a cord winner? Cord. Okay, come on. Cord wainer. How do you. Wainer, there we are. I assume it's a wine thing? Okay. I oh, assume a shoemaker. It's, it's a shoemaker who makes. So basically, you're cording leather from shoes to make shoes, or like leather to make shoes. So you get new. I leather, did not see that coming. You cord it, and it I thought becomes... maybe it had something to do with wagons or making rope. Yeah. He wasn't helpful. He hadn't actually talked to John Aaron. Contrasted with a cobbler. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um. He had a bunch of kitchen gossip, but that wasn't, you know, what Ned wanted. But the Lord had been quarreling with the king, and the Lord only picked at his food. <laughs> yeah. And the Lord was sending his boy to be fostered on Dragonstone. Which we'll see how that goes, I guess. The Lord had taken a great interest in the breeding of hunting hounds, and the Lord had visited a master armorer to... Commission a new suit of plate. Wrought all in silver with a blue jasper falcon. See, so yeah, he's describing it. Mother of pearl moon. So it's this gaudy, rich person like, armor. Rich person armor that's more probably prettier rather than practical. And the king's brother had gone, but no, not Renly, who was more likely to do that sort of thing. But Stannis. Yeah, and did our watchman recall anything else? You can tell that Ned's like getting like I don't care about this. Give me. <coughs> actual useful information. But this, uh, I don't want to drop any actual spoilers. Some of this information could be sort of useful. seen as related. Yeah, so which we'll learn later. The hand was clearly under stress. And the interest in the breeding of hounds might be he's getting interest in, like, how genetics work, much like well, he was looking over that family tree stuff. Yeah. Like, that might be connected. Or whatever the closest to a medieval understanding of that was. So the lad swears Lord John is, was as strong as a man half his age, often went riding with Lord Stannis... So, yeah, Stannis comes up again, and Ned notes that. And, um, apparently they'd ridden to visit a brothel, which, uh, this is Stannis, Stannis who wanted to outlaw brothels, yeah, so what were they doing there? Those, well, Stannis is one of those, yeah, he's one And of those some people would say, oh, well, they're a hypocrite, but I would say Stannis is genuinely pretty disinterested. Yeah. <laughs> well, they make, they also make note, even in this chapter, that he's disinterested in sex like he's not like he, he's not the type who would be going to one he's more comfortable on battle in the battlefield than in the bedroom so to say
and the hand took three guardsmen with him. And the guards can't be found now to say which brothel it was or anything like that because Liza took them to the Vale with her. Let me mention... As well as... Um, let me mention how Stannis contrasts with uh, with uh, Robert in his uh, tastes. Um, they're not going to summon Lord Stannis back from Dragonstone yet until until Ned has a better idea of what is going on. Um, he wonders if Stannis may have played some part in John Aaron's murder. Or maybe he's afraid. Yeah, maybe. And but once again, Ned f- doesn't think it's like Stannis to just leave because he's afraid. Yeah, he's not. And he's also somebody not necessarily... Well, we'll later learn he's not somebody who really gets afraid easily. And, it's, it, and when he gets afraid, he seems like he'd be more likely to react with like anger or something. Or like violence. Um, goes on talking about how Stannis had held Storm's End through a whole year of siege to the point where they're eating rats and they're eating boot leather while um, Lords Tyrell and Redwine are outside feasting, you know, in view. Yeah. The, st- the point is Stannis is a hard ass. Yes, yes. He's very much a hard ass guy. <laughs> And Ned is going to visit this armorer himself, and he put on his fan- his fancier clothes, which aren't all that fancy, but he at least gets his uh, house sigil on them, because he wants the armorer to know who he is, so maybe he'll talk more, you know, thinking Ned's somebody important. And Jory says that, you know, Renly is brother to Lord Stannis as well as the king, but it seems he wasn't uh, invited on these rides. And Ned isn't quite sure how he feels about Renly. I mean, maybe he's too friendly. Uh, yeah, it sounds about right. And he'd shown Ned a gold locket, and inside there was a picture of, you know, a pretty girl with, you know, brown hair and... Um, Renly wanted Ned to say if the girl reminded him of anyone, Ned was like, no, I don't recognize her. And this was Loras Tyrell's sister, Marjorie, and Renly wanted to know if she looked like Lyanna. And... Ned was confused as to why Renly would do this, or maybe he would... He's like like a young Robert, and he's got a passion for a girl who looks like young Lyanna, which is weird. And, as we'll see later, also not the sort of thing Renly would do. No, no. I guess it's not a major spoiler to say he's He's gay. He's gay. Yeah, and he's yeah. And that's he's just not somebody who would do that. And late and much later on we'll say why that little uh mention is there. Jory thinks that maybe Stannis will return for Robert's tourney and Ned correctly 
um, thinks this is very unlikely. So this armorer um, lives in a large house at uh, the top of the Street of Steel, which is basically the whole armory district. It's a whole district dedicated to the armory. Armory, smithing, blacksmithing, and both the regular smiths and the rich fancy ones like this one. The general production of weapons and armor. Yes. Jory wants to know if there's any other services he might perform. And, yeah, Ned says he best began visiting whorehouses. Um, bad innuendo here. Hard duty, my lord. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's what uh, Stark has in mind there. Visiting to uh, investigate. Yeah, that sounds... I mean, it looks a certain way. Yeah, it does. So Ned is uh, leaving to go to the Street of Steel. And he's kind of looking behind him a lot. As if he's being followed. Tom and Desmond have already... Um, taking up positions to watch for anyone following them. Yes, um, the guy that Arya refers to as Fat Tom, his real name is Tomard. Yep. Um, he's thinking a lot about Varys and his little birds. And, you know, the possibility of being spied on. <laughs> the birds being, what, with children, is it? They usually pay children or something like that. They're just, children, um, and let's just say the book version of them are more like slaves. But Yeah, okay, either way, the point is, is that they're like these little children spies that he uses. And also and the implication that them. both the Queen and Littlefinger are, also have spies working for them. Mm-hmm. But Varys, we definitely know, has spies working for him, and that becomes, like, a major thing later. In both the show and the book. So the Street of Steel begins at a market square next to the River Gate, which is called the Mud Gate to... It's River Gate on maps, it's Mud Gate to everyone else. Um, they see a mummer on stilts. And children. And lot children. Um, boys, uh, sword fighting with sticks. And he's making note how they're no older than Bran, because that's what And a woman, did. uh, dumps a bucket of slops out the window on them, and there's farmers selling fruit and vegetables. Yeah, it's supposed to be, like, the classic filthy medieval city, basically. Yes. Um... A knight enters the city, and uh, they've got a, you know... Moving the crowd aside for him. And this is Lord Beric and his sigil. It's a black banner with like a purple lightning on it. Yeah. And he is here to win the hands tourney, he's shouting. 
Yeah, and who's this guy again? He's Beric Dondarrion. So there you go. And odds of him winning attorney? Average. There you go. <laughs> That's all we really want to know. I mean, he's a decent fighter, but... It, I mean... Make way for Lord Beric, they keep saying. And what is it? He had a black corsair with red gold hair and a black satin cloth dusted with stars? So I guess it's decorated a Yeah, they, yeah, they, they decorate up their horses. It's like you know, people okay. wearing their sports gear. Yeah, for... except for it seems like it's custom each way. So... The Street of Steel, we've already talked about it. It's got blacksmiths, um, the regular ones, the rich ones, the not-so-rich ones, everything smithing, everything armor, everything weapons. And when they get um, to the top of the hill, yeah, they get to a fancy two-storied, or maybe more, building and they've got ebony and wirewood hunting scene carved into the door and stone knight statues wearing real armor that is designed to look like a griffin and a unicorn and the serving girl shows them in and they go to meet the master armorer Tobomot. Yeah. Who I'm going to say is probably from Essos with that name. Yeah, sounds about right. And he's wearing fancy jewelry. He's got a sapphire as big as a pigeon's egg. He's rich. And right away, he's uh, trying to sell Ned some armor. Oh, my work is costly, and I make no apologies for that, my lord. And he's filling up um, two matching wine goblets. Yeah. You know, any village smith can hammer out a shirt of mail. My work is art. Yeah, he's very, like, offended by this. Like, he's very, uh, very much... Propping up his work, but he he's an artiste, and he's better than the rest. And he can actually color the steel, not just paint it, pour enamel on it, but he yeah, can actually, he can actually make, make it. the steel a certain color, I guess. And so. Renly bought a green armor with golden antlers, And, oh, he can make a really great sword, and he can even forge Valyrian steel, which he learned at the for- forges of Kohor. Yes, I, I knew he was from somewhere in Essos. He's from Kohor. And he could fasten a direwolf helm that's so real the children will run from you in the street. Yeah. And then it just asks, well, did you make a falcon helm for Lord Aaron? So getting to the part about Lord Aaron... And um, Tobomot says that the Hand did call upon him, and so did Lord Stannis, but they did not honor him with their patronage. (laughs) And they asked to see the boy. So he took them back to the forge, and Ned is like, what 
boy, I'd like to see this boy too. And Chobo is clearly not uh, filled that he doesn't seem to be making a sale here, but he says he'll, he'll take them back to see the boy. Yeah. And they go into the a cavernous stone barn. Uh, it's really hot in there. They've got their forge and um, all sorts of journeyman armorers. And there's the, the 14-year-old apprentice boy. Gendry. Who is mentioned as being very tall and muscular and is about Rob's age. Still say he's 14 and doesn't look like that guy. Yeah, drawing. he doesn't <laughs> at all, yeah. And he's got um, blue eyes and very shaggy black hair. And he is growing a little bit of a beard. Yes, you can at 14. Oh, I did, that's for sure. But that being said, it didn't look like... Well, that looks like <coughs> a beard that if you grew it, odds are you'd be, like, grooming it. Because, all right, it's not even a beard. It's just stubble. It's, like, classy-looking stubble. And oh, yeah, some guys are like that, but... Yeah, we've know. talked about that drawing I, enough. Well, that, <laughs> it, it's... it's it, no, it's likely enough. What's unlikely is his muscles being exactly like that. But I don't know, whatever. <laughs> And the boy has a helmet that he's made shaped like a bull's head. Yeah, that's the one that we were talking about. And it's raw steel and unpolished. See, I told you it's too ornate in the drawing. But it yeah. is expertly shaped. And um, Ned says it's fine work. He'd be pleased if uh, he would let him buy it. And the boy just snatches away the helmet. It's not for sale. And he said, I made it for me. Tobo and is shocked. Like, no, this is the king's hand. You should your... give it to him for free. Yeah. And there's a whole, like, mind your manners, boy. And he apologizes for Gendry, saying he's crude and, you know, he's crude and, uh, you know. Um, it's new steel, that's right. Would profit from some beating. Yeah, and, and Ned's just like, you know, don't worry about it. He's cool. Like, I just, uh, just want to talk to him. Yeah. And I'll ask him what Lord Aaron had talked to him about. Um, just some questions. Questions about if he was treated well and if he liked the work and stuff about his mom. Yeah. And who she was, what she looked like. And Ned asks, oh, what he'd say about that. And... Oh, she died when he was little, and she had yellow hair, and she used to sing to him, and she worked in an alehouse. Yeah, that's what he knows. Which could describe any number of women. That's the point. And Lord Stannis didn't question him at all, just glared at him in the words, like, I was some raper who done for his daughter, and um, Tobo Mott... Um, tells him to mind his filthy tongue, gives his, the king's hand. And he's a smart boy, but he's stubborn. And that helm, that was because the others called him bullheaded. And yeah. so he threw it in their teeth. So once again, back to Tyrion. Um, wear it like armor and it can't be used against you. Taken literally in this case. <laughs> Yeah, and Ned's just like touching him. Just yeah, he's 
Yeah, he's just like touching his hair. Yeah, uh, that's the thing, and he's like, "Look at me, Kendra. You look at me, Kendra." <laughs> and you know, he's like, "Go back to your work, lad. I'm sorry to have bothered you." <laughs> and he asked to play the boys of friends for the, and Mont was like fretful. He's like, "You saw the boy, such a strong boy. Those hands of his, those hands were made for hammers." And he took him without a fee. And, you know... And, no, but Ned... Ned knows he's full it. of it. And... He's buy- not buying it because the street's full of strong boys. They take on an apprentice without a fee. Over there, the wall comes down. Who paid for him? And it's just a lord. He gave no name and wore no sigil on his coat. He paid in gold. The customary sum and he was paying... Twice once. the oh, customary twice. sum. Okay. twice the customary sum. He was paying once for the boy and once for his silence. And he describes him as he was stout, round of shoulder, not so tall as you, brown beard, but there was a bit of red. I swear he wore a rich cloak. I do remember very purple velvet. And, you know, he wants no trouble. He describes him that way. None of us want trouble, but I fear that these are troubled times. You know who the boy is? And... It's like, I'm only the master of the armor, my lord. I know what I'm told. You know who the boy is. That's not the question. And the boy is my apprentice. It's just this back and forth. Poor Ned. Ned's probably frustrated at this point. Well, once again, the description of the guy. Yeah, that could be anyone. It could be any number of, you know... Larger, richly dressed guys with a bit of red in their beard. Yeah. Doesn't narrow it down. It does not. And, um, well, Ned has concluded that he is a illegitimate son of the king. Yeah, well, that's that is what I would conclude as well. Honestly, I'd be like, okay, that sounds uh pretty. Yeah, classic. he's got Robert's blue eyes and black hair, and, and... it sounds like Robert directly paid for it, and he really didn't want to say that. But Robert didn't go himself because that's not what Robert looked like. Yeah. So Robert so got someone to else, bring. But it sounds like he paid for him. So. And that for some reason, John Aaron had inquired after him and had died for it. Now, once again, you know, the king is kind of known for having a lot of out-of-wedlock kids. It's not a big secret, right? But... Yeah. You know, for some reason it is now. Yep. Um... You have anything more to say about this chapter? I just I find that interesting. Just some interesting stuff there. You know, that that's one of the more interesting Ned chapters. And I suppose I'm not dropping a major spoiler to say that the inquiring after the brothels. Well, Robert has other uh, offspring of his there because that's where he goes. Yep. Robert, all right, the the non-spoiler is basically Robert has X amount of bastards. We don't know how many. They just seem to keep popping up. Well, maybe. I think the uh, official number was 20.
Something well, like depending that. on how. See, if I say where I got that information, then I would be dropping a spoiler. <laughs> and whether you consider that particular source a reliable source or not, that's yeah. kind of in the air, but... That is the end of the chapter, and the next one is going to be Catelyn. Yep. Um, so you can look forward to that, and we also will be doing um, Chapter 2 of The Fellowship of the Ring, and we're going to be doing the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings, which is going to be a real pain to take notes on, but I'll do it. We'll get to talk about Ralph Bakshi in general. So yes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Cast Into the Fire podcast, and have a great evening. Good night.